Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd. Torah was meant to be lived out in community and in the context of relationships. A very effective way to study the Bible is in a small group doing a midrash or discussion. This helps you to go deeper into the Word as you take time to reflect on it, make connections from one scripture to another, and apply the scriptures to your personal walk. We've added a new feature on the Daily Audio Torah website. If you are involved in a small group Bible study, or would like to start one, we can help you. We have added discussion questions for you to use when your group gathers. We will post discussion questions for every weekend reading, and they will be posted on the website a week in advance so you have time to read and prepare ahead of time. We've also posted guidelines for leaders and facilitators to help you grow your small group in a healthy way. Just go to the new pick on the menu, Discussion Questions, and you will find everything there you need to nurture and grow your small group. Have fun learning and growing in God's Word together in your small group. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Ki Tetzi, and it means, When You Go Out. Deuteronomy 22, 16-30 And the girl's father shall say to the elders, I gave this man my daughter to wife, but he has taken an aversion to her. So he has made up charges, saying, I did not find your daughter a virgin, but here is the evidence of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread out the cloth before the elders of the town. The elders of that town shall then take the man and flog him, and they shall find him a hundred shekels of silver, and give it to the girl's father. For the man has defamed a virgin in Israel. Moreover, she shall remain his wife. He shall never have the right to divorce her. But if the charge proves true, the girl was found not to have been a virgin, then the girl shall be brought out to the entrance of her father's house, and the men of her town shall stone her to death. For she did a shameful thing in Israel, committing fornication while under her father's authority. Thus, You will sweep away evil from your midst. 
If a man is found lying with another man's wife, both of them, the man and the woman with whom he lay, shall die. Thus you will sweep away evil from Israel. In the case of a virgin who is engaged to a man, if a man comes upon her in town and lies with her, you shall take the two of them out to the gate of that town and stone them to death, the girl because she did not cry for help in the town, and the man because he violated another man's wife. Thus you will sweep away evil from your midst. But if the man comes upon the engaged girl in the open country, and the man lies with her by force, only the man who lay with her shall die. But you shall do nothing to the girl. The girl did not incur the death penalty, for this case is like that of a man attacking another and murdering him. He came upon her in the open. Though the engaged girl cried for help, there was no one to save her. If a man comes upon a virgin who is not engaged, and he seizes her and lies with her, and they are discovered, the man who lay with her shall pay the girl's father fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife. Because he has violated her, he can never have the right to divorce her. Job 4, 1-7-21 Then Eliphaz the Temanite said in reply, If one ventures a word with you, will it be too much? But who can hold back his words? See, you have encouraged many, you have strengthened failing hands. Your words have kept him who stumbled from falling. You have braced knees that gave way, but now that it overtakes you, it is too much. It reaches you, and you are unnerved. Is not your piety, your confidence, your integrity, your hope? Think now, what innocent man ever perished? Where have the upright been destroyed? As I have seen those who plow evil, and so mischief reap them, they perish by a blast from Hashem, are gone at the breath of his nostrils. The lion may roar, the cub may howl, but the teeth of the king of beasts are broken. The lion perishes for lack of prey, and its whelps are scattered. A word came to me in stealth. My ear caught a whisper of it. In thought-filled visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, fear and trembling came upon me, causing all my bones to quake with fright. A wind passed by me, making the hair of my flesh bristle. It halted. Its appearance was strange to me. A form loomed before my eyes. I heard a murmur, a voice. Can mortals be acquitted by Hashem? Can man be cleared by his Maker? If he cannot trust his own servants and casts reproach on his angels, how much less those who dwell in the houses of clay, whose origin is dust, who are crushed like the moth, shattered between daybreak and evening, perishing forever unnoticed. Their cord is pulled up and they die, and not with wisdom. Call now. Will anyone answer you? To whom among the holy beings will you turn? Vexation kills the fool. Passion slays the simpleton. I myself saw a fool who had struck roots. Impulsively I cursed his home. May his children be far from success. May they be oppressed in the gate with none to deliver them. 
May the hungry devour his harvest, carrying it off in baskets. May the thirsty swallow their wealth. Evil does not grow out of the soil, nor does mischief spring from the ground. For man is born to do mischief, just as sparks fly upward. But I would resort to Hashem. I would lay my case before Hashem, who performs great deeds, which cannot be fathomed, wondrous things without number, who gives rain to the earth and sends water over the fields, who raises the lowly up high so that the dejected are secure in victory, who thwarts the designs of the crafty so that their hands cannot gain success, who traps the clever in their own wiles. The plans of the crafty go awry. By day they encounter darkness, at noon they grope, as in the night. But he saves the needy from the sword of their mouth, from the clutches of the strong. So there is hope for the wretched. The mouth of wrongdoing is stopped. See how happy is the man whom Hashem reproves. Do not reject the discipline of the Almighty. He injures, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands heal. He will deliver you from six troubles. In seven, no harm will reach you. In famine, he will redeem you from death. In war, from the sword. You will be sheltered from the scourging tongue. You will have no fear when violence comes. You will laugh at violence and starvation and have no fear of wild beasts. For you will have a pact with the rocks in the field and the beasts of the field will be your allies. You will know that all is well in your tent. When you visit your wife, you will never fail. You will see that your offspring are many, your descendants like the grass of the earth. You will come to the grave in ripe old age, as shocks of grain are taken away in their season. See, we have inquired into this, and it is so. Hear it and accept it. Then Job said in reply, If my anguish were weighed, my full calamity laid on the scales, it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. That is why I spoke recklessly. For the arrows of the Almighty are in me, My spirit absorbs their poison. Hashem's terrors are arrayed against me. Does a wild donkey bray when he has grass? Does a bull bellow over his fodder? Can what is tasteless be eaten without salt? Does mallow juice have any flavor? I refuse to touch them. They are like food when I am sick. Would that my request were granted that Hashem gave me what I wished for. Would that Hashem consented to crush me, loosed his hand, and cut me off. Then this would be my consolation, as I writhed in unsparing pains, that I did not suppress my words against the Holy One. What strength have I that I should endure? How long have I to live that I should be patient? Is my strength the strength of rock? Is my flesh bronze? Truly, I cannot help myself. I have been deprived of resourcefulness. A friend owes loyalty to one who fails, though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. My comrades are fickle, like a wadi, like a bed on which streams once ran. They are dark with ice, snow obscures them. But when they thaw, they vanish. In the heat, they disappear where they are. Their course twists and turns. 
they run into desert and perish. Caravans from Tima look to them. Processions from Sheba count on them. They are disappointed in their hopes. When they reach the place, they stand aghast. So you are as nothing. At the sight of misfortune, you take fright. Did I say to you, I need your gift? Pay a bribe for me out of your wealth? Deliver me from the clutches of my enemy? Redeem me from violent men? Teach me. I shall be silent. Tell me where I am wrong. How trenchant honest words are, but what sort of reproof comes from you? Do you devise words of reproof, but count a hopeless man's words as wind? You would even cast lots over an orphan or barter away your friend. Now be so good as to face me. I will not lie to your face. Relent. Let there not be injustice. Relent. I am still in the right. Is injustice on my tongue? Can my palate not discern evil? Truly, man has a term of service on earth. His days are like those of a hireling, like a slave who longs for evening shadows, like a hireling who waits for his wage. So have I been allotted months of futility. Nights of misery have been apportioned to me. When I lie down, I think, when shall I rise? Night drags on, and I am sated with tossings till morning twilight. My flesh is covered with maggots and clods of earth. My skin is broken and festering. My days fly faster than a weaver's shuttle and come to their end without hope. Consider that my life is but wind. I shall never see happiness again. The eye that gazes on me will not see me. Your eye will seek me, but I shall be gone. As a cloud fades away, so whoever goes down to Sheol does not come up. He returns no more to his home. His place does not know him. On my part, I will not speak with restraint. I will give voice to the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I the sea or the dragon that you have set a watch over me? When I think my bed will comfort me, my couch will share my sorrow. You frighten me with dreams and terrify me with visions, till I prefer strangulation, death, to my wasted frame. I am sick of it. I shall not live forever. Let me be, for my days are a breath. What is man that you make much of him, that you fix your attention upon him? You inspect him every morning, examine him every minute. Will you not look away from me for a while and let me be till I swallow my spittle? If I have sinned, what have I done to you, watcher of men? Why make of me your target and a burden to myself? Why do you not pardon my transgression and forgive my iniquity? For soon I shall lie down to the dust. When you seek me, I shall be gone. First Corinthians fourteen, eighteen to forty. I, Paul, thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding, that by my voice I might teach others also, than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue. 
Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be children, but in understanding be men. In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak to this people. And yet, for all that will they not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serves not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believes not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God, and report that God is in you of a truth. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak two to three, and let the others judge. If anything be revealed to another that sits by, let the first hold his peace, for you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not like is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also says the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What? Came the word of God out of out from you? or came it unto you only. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Psalm 37, 30 to 40. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart, none of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yes, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright. 
for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord, he is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them, he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Proverbs 21:27 The sacrifice of the wicked is abomination how much more when he brings it with a wicked mind I want to speak to you today from our reading from the book of Job chapters 4 through 7 and the book of Job examines the eternal question why do we suffer what is God's purpose in allowing us to suffer. Does God cause suffering? Or in his sovereignty, does he permit it and allow it? And really the source of our suffering comes either from the enemy, Hasatan, or it comes from our own poor decisions. When we sin, there are consequences to our sin. So let's jump into the book of Job, and we'll start with Job chapter 4, verse 1, where it is written, Then Eliphaz the Temanite said in reply, and that whole next chapter then is a big reply of his friend Eliphaz. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Eliphaz the Temanite is the first of Job's friends to respond to his suffering. He asserts that Hashem would not punish those who are free of sin, as Job seems to believe. Since all people sin, Job must not be an exception. He urges Job to confess his secret sins in order to alleviate his suffering. Though he means well, Eliphaz's view of divine justice is criticized by God himself at the end of the book. Eliphaz is called a Temanite, presumably because he is from the city called Teman, which belonged to the descendants of Esau, the Edomites, and is mentioned in Job. Eliphaz was also the name of Esau's firstborn son. Many therefore assume that Eliphaz is an Edomite, and in Job he represents Edomite wisdom, which was well known in biblical times. Now I want to look at Job chapter 4 verse 17, where a question is posed. Can mortals be acquitted by Hashem? Can man be cleared by his maker? It's a deep and a profound question. And the answer is yes. But there's only one way to get an acquittal. If you come into the courtroom of God, and God the Father is the judge, and he looks at your life, and he reviews all the words, all the events, all the behaviors, all the decisions of your life, Every one of us is going to be found guilty. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all sin demands death. The penalty for sin is death. So how is it possible that we can be acquitted? We are acquitted through the Son, through Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross. And when we believe on him, and put our trust in him, and we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we repent of our sins and we ask Yeshua to come in and to be the Lord of our lives. When we are born again, we are acquitted of our sin. The penalty of sin is death, and Yeshua took that penalty upon himself. I urge you, if you have never asked Yeshua into your heart and confessed your sin and turned to him to be your Savior, that you do that today with a prayer of repentance and confession of sin and asking him to come in. Continuing on in Job chapter 5, verse 6. Evil does not grow out of the soil, nor does mischief spring from the ground. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Eliphaz says that suffering does not spring forth out of the ground, but rather comes as a result of a person's sins. Since no one is free of sin, every person is born to tribulations. Even Job's location in the land of Israel cannot free him from the taint of sin. Eliphaz reminds Job that suffering is part of the human condition, intrinsic in being an Adam, a person, and not something which comes on its own out of the Adama, or the earth. Only those who disconnect from their humanity, therefore, can escape affliction. Continuing on in Job chapter 5, Starting in verse 17. See how happy is the man whom Hashem reproves. Do not reject the discipline of the Almighty. He injures, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands heal. He will deliver you from six troubles. In seven, no harm will reach you. Two other passages from Scripture come to my mind as I read that. Especially, he injures, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands heal. And it's talking about God doing this. So, in Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, to Yahweh. For he has torn, and he will heal us. He has smitten and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us. In the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. So sometimes we can be corrected or rebuked by the Lord, and he will work through circumstances to bring forth correction. And what is his purpose in rebuking us, in allowing us to go through a trial? Well, in Hebrews chapter 12, It's talking there about the discipline of God. And in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 5, it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Now no chastening 
seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So there are times in our lives that we go through circumstances that are very painful, and it's a chastening from the Lord. Um, and we learn from it. We grow from it. It, it builds character within us. An example, a case in point, if in a season of rebellion or before I was born again, before I was seeking the Lord, I get married and it's not a decision where I consulted with the Lord about it and was led by his spirit, but I just did my own soulish, selfish thing. And the person I marry is not a believer. So now I'm unequally yoked. So then the marriage starts to go south. A few years later, and in the process of the marriage going south, um, that's when I cry out to the Lord and say, "Father, I'm I'm really suffering here. I, I can't endure this. This is more than I can handle. I'm crying out to you. Please help." And so, in the process of that fiery trial, you get saved. But now. Being a believer, being born again, you're still unequally yoked. And perhaps a bit later, the marriage fails and a divorce ensues. And it's a very painful, very difficult trial. Divorce is one of the worst things any human being can ever go through. I would not wish it upon my worst enemy. It is just, it shreds you to pieces. But yet, if I, in the first place, made that choice to marry that person uh, and I didn't consult with the Lord about it and I married an unbeliever and now this marriage has failed, this is a chastening of sorts coming from the Lord. He's allowed me to experience the consequences of a bad decision. So that's an example of how the Lord chastens through circumstances. Now that it doesn't always turn out that way. Sometimes I'm, a believer becomes unequally yoked and the uh, spouse is uh, kind and tolerant and allows you to pursue your faith walk. You have to pursue it alone because if the spouse is an unbeliever, as long as he's pleased to dwell with you, then don't depart. But that's an example of how the Lord can use circumstances to bring forth chastening and discipline. And it's like a spanking from the Lord. And I never forget the lessons that pain teaches me. They burn like fire in your bones. And once you get through that painful circumstance, you think, I will never repeat that mistake or that sin again. I don't want to go through that again. I don't want to go around that mountain Again, pain is a very good teacher. Okay, so continuing on in Job. Um, let's look at chapter 7, verse 17. What is man that you make much of him, that you fix your attention upon him? The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. In his despair, Job doubts the very worth of humanity. He declares that because man is insignificant, he is unworthy of Hashem's attention and should be free from punishment and suffering. These words parallel the famous words of the psalmist 
What is man that you have been mindful of him, mortal man that you have taken note of him? However, the psalmist's conclusion is very different from Job's, that you have made him little less than divine and adorned him with glory and majesty. Psalm Psalm 8, verses 5 and 6. While Job bemoans the esteem given by God to man, the psalmist praises Hashem for granting man the capacity for greatness, though in reality he is undeserving. Heavenly Father, as we continue our journey through the book of Job, I do pray that you will bring forth gems and pearls out of this book to each and every one of us, to our hearts, that you would speak by your Spirit to us directly, to reveal to us why we've gone through some of the trials that we have gone through in our lives. There's always a purpose in it. There's always a reason that in some way your kingdom will be enlarged. Your light will shine brighter. Your love will pierce through the darkness. So, Father, I pray for each and every one of us that you will help each and every one of us to find purpose in the pain, purpose in the trial, and that you will help us to be overcomers, to overcome obstacles, difficulties, setbacks, and and tribulations. I thank you, Yeshua, that you are with us every step of the way, that you have not left us or abandoned us, that you are with us through our trials and difficulties, and that we can cling to you. As we pick up our cross and we follow you, the cross being an instrument of death, that it's death to self, death to flesh, death to pride, that we follow you and allow you to increase within us so that we can decrease and you can increase and that you can live your life in us and through us. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Isa Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.